Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I'm your conduit, your coach, and your catalyst to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential on a subject, a conduit provides a connection, and a catalyst sparks change. So today is going to be kind of an interesting evening because um, the topic is going to be autonomy. And I this podcast is about self-empowerment. It's about living your best life. It's about finding peace, fulfilling that urge for peace and fulfillment. And um, it was started when quarantine happened. It was started when there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of uncertainty, and it felt like everything was being taken away from us, you know, for performers, all the live shows were being shut down because of safety concerns, which were definitely warranted. Um, and everyone had to adapt. You know, we were all going remote. We were changing everything about our lives. And now we've had a ruling recently that set back, um, women's rights, reproductive rights, at least 50 years. And because of the conservatives that are now on the Supreme Court and now throughout the country, um, based on what I've seen of the Republican agenda on their website, they want to repeal the Civil Rights Act, gay marriage, um, possibly attacking Brown versus Board of Education, um, basically just taking us back to a different kind of America. Um, a kind of America that I feel had a lot less autonomy. People didn't have the freedoms that we have now. Having the right to vote is important. Having a say over your body is important as a woman. And, and um, so I wanted to talk about my book, which is about autonomy from the beginning cover to the end cover. And I also wanted to just talk about our reaction because I have my cameraman with me, John Ross Dyke. Um, you know, we're just going to be talking about autonomy and, and the importance of self-empowerment and, and trying to, to deal with, um, I guess, setbacks in it. Um, so for people who don't know anything about this book that's in front of you, um, it's a memoir that I wrote. It's the last seven years of my life, and it starts off the day I got divorced. And um, when I got divorced, I had a lot of insecurity. Um, I lost a lot of confidence, and I wanted to change my life. I wanted to take back my power. Um, and so I go on this journey of making different choices. Some of the choices are unconventional, but the thing is, I'm an adult. I can make unconventional choices. I can decide to go on online dates. I can decide um, what I want to do with my body. And um, so during that time, I actually came across many ways of thinking that I had been trained to have um, as a woman. The first was the Rose Doctrine which was the idea that as a woman, I'm a rose. And if I have these petals and I share them with men, as I share these petals, I lose all of my value. So if I've shared these petals and I haven't kept this intact, abstinent, celibate rose, then I have nothing to share with my husband. Um, that whole idea of, of controlling a woman's sexuality, I believe is part of why Roe versus Wade got overturned. Um, that, you know, women and their sexuality needs to be tied to giving birth. And, um, if they are having sex, <laughs> they should be prepared to give birth. And I'm not saying that abortion is birth control at all. What I'm saying is that there needs to be reproductive rights. Um, so the idea that a woman is only valuable if she's abstinent, if she's celibate, if she's saving herself from marriage was something that I was taught uh, in religious settings. And so when I got divorced, I felt 
I had very little to offer the next man, which is, is a harsh thing to say and maybe a jarring thing to say to some people who've never heard that doctrine, but there's probably a lot of women out here that have heard it. And, and you hear even men joke about it like, I don't want a woman who's all used up. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want somebody that's been passed around, you know. Um, and, and that could even be just one partner, two partners, you know. So it's that whole idea of the woman doesn't have the choice. Her choice is completely invalid. It's whether the man is going to agree with her choices. She always has to think about, is the man that comes into my life going to agree with the choices that I've made? Because if he doesn't agree with it, then I'm not valuable to him. I'm not worthy to him. I'm not um, someone he can be proud of and he can settle down with, you know? So I know I've said a lot, what was going through your mind as you're listening to me talk about the first, basically the first chapter of, of Plenty of Guppies and this whole idea of, autonomy and, and a woman having the right to make certain choices with her body. What, what, what's going through your mind right now? Um, you know, it's, um, first of all, it's, it's a, a very delicate subject. I know that in setting up tonight, I could tell from your, your aura that it was heavy on the heart. Right. And I, you know, and I want to make sure, um, that I'm very clear. I don't want to lose, any fans, I don't want to um, cast any aspersions on anybody. Autonomy is important. It's very, it's it's a very difficult subject to talk about. Um, you talk about free will, talk about a woman's choice, independence, and all. I, you know, raising a daughter now, I want to make sure that that uh, she understands um, that you're going step out into the world and you're going to you're going to make choices that your mother and your father won't be privy to we would just hope that the way we raised you is uh are the and the values that we instill in you you want to upkeep those values and you want to make sure that you're responsible and you take accountability for your actions whether they're good or bad so you know um the Roe versus Wade thing, my wife and I go back and forth about it. And I want to make sure that, you know, we're being as objective as possible, as well as delicate and sympathetic and empathetic as possible as well. Um, but speaking from a man's perspective, I, I believe that a woman has total control of her body. I don't believe that a woman, a man should tell a woman what to do with her body. But I also think that women also need to take accountability um, when their actions become more than they can handle. So, but I could tell that this is, it was a, just setting up, I could see that you were very, like, this is, you know, a touchy, touchy subject. And, and speaking on chapter one, your book is all about, you know, choice which congratulations again for <laughs> such a masterpiece. Your book is all about choice and daring to live again and, you know, not allowing the grips and vices that marriage um, and the vows that we take to control you even when your marriage is gone awry. It's about taking your life back. And I think that um, the autonomy in that is, you know, but also you you speak a lot about being accountable as well, too. So I think that, you know, um, definitely a masterpiece, definitely an emblem of autonomy in this book. And, you know, it's it's a great read. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, moving on past the Rose Doctrine, which is in Rose and in, in chapter one, I think in chapter two, I talk about um, the Bible. And I talk about Eve being the first woman and the story in the Bible is that she ate the fruit she gave to her husband. And because of her choice, um, all of humanity was punished. They were cast out of the garden and, and, and death came on humanity. And um, her husband, Adam, stood right by when she was tempted and didn't speak up, just took the fruit, ate of it. 
um, and they both were punished. And, and there is a part of me that wonders whether conservative um, people feel like we got to write that wrong. We got to, <laughs> we got to speak up now. These women want this choice and we're just going to snatch it away because we see what it's like when they have this choice. And, and, and I also mentioned, um, Lilith, you know, if you know anything about, um, the Torah, you know, before there was the Bible, there was the Torah, there was, um, this whole, in a sense, Jewish mythology of Lilith being the first one and she wouldn't submit. And so because she wouldn't submit, there's many, many myths about her. She was turned into a succubus. She was cast out of, you know, um, the garden. She became this avenging spirit, you know, and, and even she challenged God, you know? So this whole idea that if a woman is not kept in her place, so many, I mean, she becomes demonic. She becomes this force that is evil. I think that there's men, um, and maybe even women who still have this idea that women can't be trusted to make their own decisions, that, that we have to make decisions for them. And, and you even see it in, I remember the campaign that Hillary ran and they were acting as if, oh, we can't have a woman in office because they have hormones, they have moods. <laughs> What's gonna happen when she has her period if she's still having that? What happens if she gets moody? We can't trust her to make her own decisions. As if men don't have moods, human beings have moods, right. human beings have hormones right. and, and men have generally been known to have less control of their emotions because they're not as used to dealing with them than most women. So some of the things you hear people say about women when it comes to choice, when it comes to, as you said, accountability or having a position of leadership or being able to, to, um, make laws or govern themselves. You just see this, this condescension and this, um, this disrespect that we may be adults, you know, men and women, but many times women are not treated as adults. Mm. They're, we're treated as if we're big children and men need to be this forever father figure over us to keep us from making the wrong choices because on our own, we are just going to make the wrong choices. Um, and, uh, what do you think when I say these things, when you hear these things, what do you, what, what's going through your mind? Um, I just want to make sure that I'm being completely, uh, sensitive and, um, sympathetic to the subject. Because again, I believe that a woman has a choice, right? And and but I also, you know, it, it it's it's painful to be an optimistic person because so many times you find yourself. Well, let me take that back. It's it's painful to be borderline optimistic, a realistic person because, like like we've said a, a couple of times on the podcast, um, you don't want to ever kind of look at the downside of things you want to always remain like that, that, that glass is half full, but a realistic person will say, you know, it's a glass of water, irregardless of it being full or half full or whatever the case may be, you know, in society now, when, and again, I want to be completely sensitive about the situation I think that it's not being specified and maybe there's no specification that needs to be had, but it's not being specified why women want to abort. It's only, it's my body and I can choose to do with my body what I want to do with my body. And that's very true. I think that situations matter in that instance, you know, and Maybe I'm kind of being, you know, maybe I'm 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 teeter tottering on the line, but I think that sometimes abortions are necessary, and then I, think, I think sometimes abortions are scapegoats for women, and that's not to tear down women. I think that sometimes being accountable, like that night that you got down, it might not it might have been free will, 
But you got to also understand that when you do that and you don't do it correctly, as in you don't use protection or, you know, let's just say you don't use protection. Things can happen from that, you know, Um, and two people that come together like that, a guy might be of the thinking like, I know what I'm going, I'm getting into, but because you know, you're going to be the woman who's ca- the, the person who's carrying a child for this amount of time. You get to make that decision for both of us. When I know what I was getting into from the beginning, I know that we're about to get down. I know that, you know, I don't have any contraceptives and, you know, whatever happens after this, I'm willing to take full responsibility for what happens. But on the other end of that, the woman who's bringing life into the world, the woman who has to suffer for those nine months and who has to go through the emotional swings and, there's no guarantee that we might be ever see each other after this again. They have to say, you know what? It's my body, which it is. Um, I, I understand what I'm getting into, but whatever happens after this, I don't want to be accountable or I don't want to have to alter my life or whatever the case may be. So I, I just think that we have to ask the question further. Like the question has to be had, why do you want to abort? And not so that it's my body and I can do as I want to, um, which I agree with. I mean, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on both sides of it. Sometimes I find myself pro-choice. Sometimes I find myself pro-life. And you know, when when the conversation is amongst the room, I kind of like shrivel back. Like you know, I don't really want to. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that I was an angel coming up. I'm not gonna say that when I when I when I got down, it wasn't the right way. It wasn't the wrong way. But I know that, you know, the way I came up, my father used to be real ad. He used to have a strong grip on us. And he would say, you know, you got to be responsible for your actions. And I never wanted to um, be in a predicament where I got down one night and, you know, the girl and I are no longer on the same speaking terms and she has a child. And then I have to bring the child when I can. You know, it's just it's a slippery slope. And I wish we would kind of dig deeper into why. The question is why. Um, but I do believe that a woman has a right for to do with her body as she wants to. It's it's, you know, uh, it's it's a slippery slope for me. You know, um, when I was in my teens, in my 20s, um, I was definitely pro-life completely, 100 mm-hmm. percent. I was one of those people that was like, you know, hey. You know, I'm a strong Christian and mm. this is, you know, against what God would want. And and I also was one of those people who would um, wait. I waited till I was a senior in college before I had sex. And then when you, for me, when I started having sex and I'm like, okay, um, now I have entered this arena mm-hmm. where there's, the possibility I could get pregnant. It's a different, for me, it was a very different mindset because I knew if I ever got pregnant, had a child, that my life Mm -hmm. as a woman would be forever altered. You know, men, women walk away sometimes, but men walk away a lot more than women. Facts, (laughs) you know. And and so um, being a mother going through those nine months is, um, first off, the whole idea, you know, when you think you might be pregnant can be the most nerve wracking. (laughs) You're waiting, you know, for pregnancy tests. You're, 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 am I ready for this? Am I prepared? What's going to happen to my body? What's going to happen to me? You know, will I have morning sickness? Will I, this happen, this happen, you know, and then you start going through the pregnancy and you're having all these different things happen. You know, you can't eat what you want to eat. You got heartburn now. You got, you know, you got to run to the bathroom 50 million times a day you know you your feet swell your body you don't recognize yourself you break out you I mean it's the body is an amazing thing it's amazing thing you know you got stretch marks all over yourself you're trying to put cocoa butter and oil on you pregnancy is um it's nothing like it Right. It's nothing like it. It's nothing I can even compare it to. There's no way to explain to a man what pregnancy right. is like. No right. way to explain to a man what childbirth is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also no way to explain to a man what it's like when 
um, you're giving birth and you know, you know, you could die. And many black women die. Um, minority women die at mm. much higher rates. Mm. Had I been pregnant at a different time in history, I had twins. I had a high risk pregnancy. Um, I went into labor early, you know, what over a month early I was on all kind of medication. Sometimes it made my heart race. Sometimes it gave me all kind of side effects to stop my labor. So the babies would be born closer to term. And I was on bed rest for a good, I don't know, almost what, 20 days. Mm. I mean, you can't even do anything, but get up and go to the bathroom and get back in bed, you know, barely cook something to eat, you know, stuff like that is, I'm not used to dealing with this. This is everything that I had to do just to get my kids here. And then I'm in labor 12 hours. I'm not progressing, even though I was dilated like eight or nine centimeters, I think. Mm. They go and do ultrasound, they're breached. So all of a sudden it switches from, hey, we're going to do a, normal, a, a, a natural birth to no, no, we got to go cut you. Mm. You know, do you want epidural? Okay, I do. Okay, you do realize when this needle goes into your back, you could be partially paralyzed if we move. Don't move. You know, so, you know. My husband's there on my side holding me. Don't move, don't move, don't move. Mm. And this needle's going in my back. Mm -hmm. And it hurts and it burns and you're not trying to move. Right. Mm. And then you're out. I'm out. And then I wake up in the operating room and I can feel them cutting me. Mm. And I'm like, I grabbed the person. I was like, I can feel this. You didn't give me enough. Right. Mm. Give me more. Put me out. I cannot. Oh my God, that's pain. And then afterwards, you know, the first time you get up out of the bed and the whole bed is covered in blood because you got all of that blood from nine months leaking out of your body and they got to come change the sheets and your body doesn't look the same and your C-section, so much pain mm. to move was so much pain, you know? And there are people out there that would hear all this and say, don't have sex then. Mm. And I'm not saying that pregnancy for me, I, I love my children. It was worth it. But so many people act like you have sex, you use protection, everything's taken care of. Right. That's not true. Mm. One of my aunts, she had multiple kids. She decided she didn't want to have any more. She got a tubal ligation. They burned her tubes and they grew back and she got pregnant again. <laughs> now, how in the world would you predict that that wasn't going to work? But they'll tell you, okay, there's in five years, there's like, I think a 16% failure rate or something like that. So she happened to be one of those, that's 16%. I've had friends on birth control, you know, and they tell you don't take antibiotics with it. Use a, you know, different method of, of birth control. If you go on antibiotics, they ended up pregnant because of it. You know, I mean, so, and then when you're pregnant, you know, um, a lot of people are assuming that these are hot girl summer babies. Right. Not always. I mean, there are women that get pregnant and um, are married. They financially can't take care of another child. They're trying to use protection, all that stuff. And then there's a whole nother thing. In the state of Texas, it's a community property state. Right. So um, if you want to get divorced in the state of Texas, you can't get divorced pregnant. Um, and if you're in a bad situation, like an abusive marriage, at least in the past, I don't know how it is right now because I was in an abusive marriage. Um, being married, when you have an abusive marriage, at least in 99, when I was in one, I could come to the door black eyed and bloodied and the cops would say, oh, you guys are having a domestic dispute. Okay, brother, you need to leave for the night. You know, you're married just cool off and come back. That happened to me more than once. They didn't arrest him. They didn't take him anywhere. Didn't ask if I wanted to press charges. There were times I tried to press charges and they wouldn't even take a report. 
and then I did have a 10 page, you know, history of domestic violence with my ex. And I left three times before it was done, done, done. But anyway, the point is being married, you have a lot less protection mm. than being divorced. When you're divorced, you're two separate individuals. When you're married legally, they can have a whole lot of say. Everything in that house is community property. You know what I'm saying? Everything. And so they have as much right to be there as you do. So it's very difficult sometimes to uh, force the issue of them being leaving. At least it was when I was in that situation. So there are women that get an abortion because they want a divorce. They want the protection of divorce because you can have a protective order. I had one. Didn't stop him from coming and doing things at the house. Didn't stop him at all. Because it's about who comes when you call and how long it takes them to come. And then what do they do when they get there? You know, do they do something or do they do nothing? You know, so... And maybe things have changed since 1999 when I left. I mean, that's a long time ago. I can only speak on my personal experience. So all I can say is um, there are a lot of different situations. And before this ruling, women had a choice. And in this ruling, now it's gone back to the states and there are some states where a woman will have a choice and there are some states where a woman won't. Right. There are some states that may criminalize a woman leaving from a state where there's no abortion to go to a state where there is an abortion. There are some states like Texas where if you get an abortion, they're talking about criminalizing you know, the people who gave you the information, prosecuting them you know, or prosecuting a provider. It's, it's like you've turned a health issue, a health decision into a criminal act. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, everyone has the right to their own moral compass, moral decisions, you know, but forcing your morality on another person is a different issue just because you believe something is wrong or immoral doesn't mean that a law needs to be made to force that belief on everybody else. And that's my problem with it. Because if we are all adults, then we should be able to make adult choices. We right. should be able to make choices and those choices are over our own bodies. Um, and not have somebody say, well, this is immoral, so it's illegal. There's a whole lot of things that I think are immoral and they're not illegal. Why is this one? Why is this the moral issue that becomes illegal? You know, it just makes you wonder. And, and I, again, does it go back to this whole idea that, you know, women are supposed to submit and are they really supposed to submit to every man, every man's decision? I don't know about that, but it seems like there are some people who feel that way, that we can't, women can't make their own decisions. So we're going to make a law to stop them from doing it. And it's very sad. It's very sad. What's going through your mind? Cause I know I've been talking a while. <laughs> you know, um, in listening to a lot of podcasts, listening to pop culture, even talking to some of my homeboys, um, Sometimes from from a man's perspective, it's glorified um, to not use contraceptives, you know, and uh, it's and so I was talking to my homeboy one time and we were just shooting, you know, just talking. I was like, so, yo, I was like, yo, you know, just when you out there, just be careful, man. You know, just be careful because you never know what, you know, as as you grow older, you know, two things. As you grow older, you know, you start to, it doesn't, it's not something that you really think about, but you think about your mortality. And you think about having fun. Am I going to step out and, you know, as a black man, be attacked by police? Am I going to be shot with all the shootings that go on, random senseless acts of violence? 
And then you say, you know, if I meet this chick, you know, is she gonna, like, what's gonna happen with these things? So I told my man, I was like, listen, man, just, just be careful. Cause you know, you know, you go out there, we all gonna have fun. We all gonna do what we do. But if you, you know, if you link up, just, just do it the right way. He was like, man, listen, man, I don't even do them no more. I was like, you don't do what? He was like, yeah, I don't use. And I was like, excuse me, you serious? I, was like, I, I laughed. I was like, "Are you serious?" So what happens if, what happens if you know you 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 have a strike and you know you know you, I'm, and I'm speaking in code because I want to be respectful for the platform. But what happens if she ends up pregnant? He was like, "Oh man, she just got to abort that." And I was like, "You know, I was you know I was like, man, it's kind of that's 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 a tough cookie. That's a tough cookie, but." On the other end, you know, let's just say, and now everything, you know, when you become a parent, right? And you spoke about parenthood a second ago. When you become a parent and it's, you know, I'm a girl dad. I have a daughter, you know, and I, like I was saying earlier, I would like that, you know, not necessarily that she, she adapts the Rose Doctrine, but I would like that, you know, she almost has morals as her, as a mother, once had or has or had before whatever but if she you know if she were to come up pregnant because it was she was having fun dad I was having fun and I know that my wife would probably try to save her and and have her have the abortion but I'm along the lines like you know I had a kid when I was 34 um I had my second child 37 this year and I don't think there's any guarantee with the mortality of men how we eat you know things go prices going up food getting more expensive the right food getting more expensive that by the time my my daughter is fully eligible to have children that I'm gonna get to enjoy the fruits of being a grandparent because I mean when you have kids then you wonder Will I be around for my kids to have kids? And I'm not saying this is in an ideal situation. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm rushing to be a grandparent, but I calculated the math. You know, I'll be 38 this year. Well, my daughter's 18. I'll be 56, you know. And so if she has kids at 21. I still am a young grandparent, right? I don't want this to happen. I don't want to, I don't want people to hear this and say, oh, he wants his daughter. No, I'm saying if my daughter has a careless night or does something outside of, you know, the normal, uh, I can't say that I would be all for the abortion. I would, I would like to, you know, I would like to help her out with it, but I know that my, we might, me and my wife might bump heads on the situation I'd be like, baby, it's not, it's not right to abort this child. You know, she's got to be accountable. But if she's looking out for a future, I know that we might have a difference in opinion on that because I'm kind of looking at like, you know, if we can foster and muster up the strength to hold her down for the four years when she got to maybe go to medical school or whatever she wants to do, graduate from college, we could celebrate on the end. But, it, you know, I think that that was the second thing I wanted to say. I think that just at the end of the day, I want it to be clear that I think that women have the ultimate say. Um, you were you were talking about the epidural. You were talking about you know waking up. I was there too. I witnessed my wife. You know how they you know how they'll they'll, they'll depict women having kids on TV and they'll glorify it and they'll glamorize it, where a woman will kind of be in pain and they'll squeeze their husband's hand. Well, that's not. They don't glorify it. It's exactly like that. She squeezed my hand so hard, my finger jammed on my ring. I said, hold on, wait a minute. I had to, t- I had to switch hands and take my ring off because I was in so much pain. But just atonement after that, just always recollecting that the back pain that she might be having might be to that. And, you know, um, and the other side of it, you know, women die during pregnancies, but sometimes kids don't make it either. So just dealing with that aspect too, I, you know, I can't help but to say, yeah, you know, most days I'm pro-choice. 
you know, and I think that the situation, I think that the situation, you know, because what, one thing that we didn't touch is how in the African-American culture we have um, molestation and abuse in families. And sometimes um, daughters are having uncles, kids and daughters are having, you know, uh, 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 a, f- a friend of the family touched the daughter, you know, in, in those instances, I'm thinking, should a woman be tormented and have to deal with the fact that her child is her uncle's child? Her child is her cousin's child. I think about that sometimes and I'm just like, in that instance, definitely a woman shouldn't have to deal with that. Explain to her, her, her child that her father is a family member and the reason why, you know, through genetics, the child might be a little off or the child might have some difficulties, you know, in the future. And that might be because genetics crossed and stuff like that that type of instances we don't talk about too i think that if we specified then the powers that be might um but i think that the thing is you know it's a bigger play too i think that you know and i don't want to go here but sometimes they try to take away from the real issues at hand we still haven't gotten resolved to the killings that happen in our communities we don't get resolved for that you know, it's never an uproar like this. The Joy Floyd thing happened and, you know, um, we got some kind of resolve. They got a settlement to his family. But, you know, that that same instance, the the the, the subject met the 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 guy changed and it became somebody else and it became somebody else. And I think that sometimes the powers that be pick what they want to keep on the news, what they want people to flock to, what they want people to pay more attention to what they want to take away from the real problems at hand. Because, you know, as a black woman, it's twofold for you now. It's, you know, I don't have say. And if I had say, when I do have say, my son could be in danger, you know? So I think it's just, it's just, it's, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. Well, it, it is a lot to deal with. And, and again, there's the whole idea of, Whenever laws change, I always encourage people to look at who benefits. Um, And if you look at who gets abortions, um, the majority of abortions are white women. Mm. Um, I've heard the statistic 60%. I'm not sure if that's accurate as of today, but that's a statistic I've heard. I've also heard that there are multiple states, over half of the states in America, where the birth rate of white um, children is 0%, meaning there's an equal number of deaths and births. So there's actually a flat line in a sense. There's not a there's not a replacement rate. There's a there's a a low percentage of of white families having white babies. And then there's a rise in multiracial babies. So those babies are no longer in a sense considered white. They're considered mixed. Mm. So if you have a group of people who have a slogan, make America great again, part of their agenda is to take away the civil rights act, to take away possibly Brown versus board of education to, um, take away same-sex marriage, and then now it's abortion. Why? Why is that? That's the question I would ask. Why is that? Is that because they have certain fears of the changing demographics of our society? You know, And this is one way for them to feel that they can stop uh, one of the ways that they're losing these babies that are unborn um, is something to think about, you know. And I would always ask people to think, do their research, um, and and come to their own conclusions. You know, we all have brains; we can all use them. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things that are going on and I think that there's a lot of people with a lot of different motivations and I think a lot of it doesn't have anything to do with saving the lives of the unborn because when we have a 
an agenda that comes up for there to be free lunches or free daycare or some kind of um, program for young mothers. All of that is many times underfunded or not funded at all. It's, it's put as a responsibility of the individual. You know, there's no laws created about that, but if kids are the important thing, then why are we not investing in the lives of these children? Why are we not investing in the lives of these mothers? You know, why is it pro-birth, but not pro-child? Mm. not pro-family, you know, that's seen as a handout, but you're going to force someone to have a child that they can't possibly feed, mm. but you don't want to pay for WIC, women, infants, and children. You don't want to pay for um, job training. You don't want to pay for other things that can help people get on their feet, you know? So it, it just, it just seems um, very convenient to me that people want to make laws that have consequences, but don't think about any of those consequences. Those consequences are all uh, invisible to them. And they wanna shift those consequences off to somebody else. And that is very disturbing to me. And um, as a person who does try to work in the community with a lot of different groups um, to do school supply drives and clothing drives, food drives, blanket drives, coat drives, all that kind of stuff. You know, many times you don't see the conservative people coming out for that. It's the liberals that come out for that. You know, they're the ones that want to do that. Um, and it's kind of sad. So it's like, okay, you know, um, it's, it's just kind of sad. So I did write something and I'm, mm. I'm going to, um, kind of read this to you guys because it's definitely not memorized. And the voice. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a piece of poetry that I wrote this morning. I'm going to just tell the audience, you know, I woke up sometimes, you know, this is energy and, and we're all about the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. But, you know, I woke up and I've been very busy with book promotions, events, all kind of things. And so I woke up this morning, Sunday morning I looked at the clock, it was 9.30, and the first thing I thought about was Roe versus Wade. Because mm. I haven't thought about it. I, I heard about it, I knew about it, but I haven't processed it. And I went back to sleep because I'm like, I'm not ready. <laughs> I don't want to think about it right now. I want to go back to sleep and maybe I'll wake up with a different idea in my head. The first thought in my head will be something different. I'm not ready. And then I woke up about an hour later and I was like, I'm still thinking about it. And I felt my mother, you know, she had rights if she wanted them, not to say she ever took advantage of them that I don't have now. Um, not to say that I would want to take advantage of it, but just the fact that something was taken away, snatched away by a group of people um, who were supposed to work for us. And I don't believe that the majority of Americans support this. I could be wrong, but I don't believe so. Um, and this is what I wrote because I was trying to get into a more Zen state. Mm. I was trying to get into a better mind frame. I was trying to process my emotions about this whole scenario. And so that's where this piece comes from. How dare you? When SCOTUS chose Bush, I was angry. I knew we were in for a time. Ignorance in the old boy network, full force steam ahead, absolutely blind. When Trump won the election, I was stunned. Mm. I hoped America was better, you see. Mm. Bigotry prevailed, a backlash agenda entailed attacking every bit of progress gained in eight years of sanity. For days, I've been dazed, demoralized, depressed, devastated, disappointed, disgusted, and stressed. I've been flabbergasted. This mess I was unprepared to process. The first two seemed political, class warfare, bigotry. But this time, it's an assault on my autonomy. I may be an adult in name, but it's name only, see? For when it comes to pregnancy, men decide for me. 
It's worse than cat calls, unequal pay, or how they mansplain to me all day. It's worse than glass ceilings that abound or the social stigmas that surround my femininity, the pink tax that makes their razors cost much less. It's worse than the fact that insurance fees won't cover birth control, but Viagra, they bless. Mm. I have nothing to compare it to. 50 years of progress, poof, who knew? My heart is torn, I sit and grieve and look at men in disbelief. What makes you feel superior? Who never bled, no children bore. I bear the scars of pregnancy, tiger stripes, a C-section V. Where are your scars, Mm. your labor pains, your morning sickness, Mm. bladder strained? When did you risk your body, your life? When did your skin stretch to double its size? Mm. When did you go into labor early, get put on bed rest to save your cervix? When did you push and pant and cry? Get an epidural after half a day's try. When did you find your baby's breech, a knife slit skin, hands into reach and pull a child out? Mm. How long did you bleed afterwards? When did your hormones recede? Could you walk within a day or like me, did it take three? Did postpartum come? The baby blues to overcome? Did your nipples hurt when you breastfeed? Did they crack or even sometimes bleed? If you have no idea, not the slightest clue, how dare you? How fucking dare you? Hmm. I'll say. I say, I say. <laughs> so what did you think when you heard that? Um, right on point. You know, uh, like you said earlier, the process of pregnancy, um, sometimes when my wife would, you know, she would say sometimes with our, with our first child, God bless the dead, uh, she would say, "All I went through all of that and no baby to show for it. And then, you know, sometimes being insensitive, you know, she would say, man, this epidural. And I'd be thinking still just not empathetic of the situation. Um, but, you know, having the it, 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 you know, when you've been through it, it, it's a different set of emotions. Having the high risk doctor say, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to go in a little earlier than we expect. You know, and, 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 and that blood on the floor is just like, yeesh. you know, I got white shoes on. I don't want, to, I, did I wear the wrong shoes? I mean, I'm thinking from a man's perspective, but you know, my wife is just in pain, in pain. Just, you know, she like, Hey, she, she feeling everything. Like you said, she feeling everything. And she's just like, Hey, are you, what, what are you doing to me? You know, and, and, you know, I'm from a, you know, I, I just think that. From the man's perspective, which is all I can really speak of without um, from a man's perspective, my whole experience was, is the baby here yet? Because both times we were like, we don't want to, you know, I want to kind of be traditional still. I wrote it in a poem once. I wanted to be traditional and wait to find out that if he needed to pee, would he take a stand to have a seat? That's what I wrote in the poem. So I wanted to stay true to that. And I wanted to wait to see if 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 my child was a boy or girl, right? And um, you know, my wife was the first time when when she found out it was a boy, to see how she reacted after being through the torture, smelling her flesh, and doing all of that, just to see that moment. She was just like, he's beautiful. Just to see the second time, she was like, it's a, they were like, it's a girl. And she was like, okay, the girl, is she breathing? Cause that's what we were checking for. I think that, you know, we as a species don't really give credence to the fact that it's, um, it's a lot harder than it looks. It's, it's more than a journey. You know, I've heard some men say, you know, women are, are divinity. Women are divine because they create life. You know, and, and, and that, that fact holds true. It's, you know, something that I've never, it's, it's a miraculous experience, whether good or bad. You know, um, my wife was telling me about 
her line sister who who passed away, God bless, giving birth to a child, you know, and and I don't think that let's just be honest. I'm gonna be honest. In 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 that room where they made them rules, I don't think it was a lot of people that look like us. I don't think it was a lot of people that, you know, have our afflictions. And I think a lot of times they just want us to they they're banking on the fact, well, these African-Americans or however they refer to us when the cameras are not rolling and the mics are muted. They got to You know, I mean, we all going to get out there and do what we do. And I think that they have better protection when it comes to cleaning up their mistakes. Whereas for us, if it is a mistake, let's look on the other side of things. If a girl says, you know, I'm young, I was having fun. Do I have to be penalized? I'm not ready. Why can't I just rectify the situation fix my life and then come back when I, you know, girl was saying that she came to school the other day and she was talking to the girls and, you know, she had tears in her eyes. She was saying, you know, um, I wish I would have taken a scholarship and I wish I would have been less on the boys. And, you know, and I, I spoke up for her when she was in tears. I said, you know, a lot of times I don't think that we give enough credence to the parents who make those tough decisions for us. The decisions that, you know what, if you have this child right now, it's going to ruin your life. You're not going to you're going to have to become a mother because I'm not going to take care of a child for you. And I just think that sometimes the rules that they make are to benefit them, because like you said, the zero mortality to zero birth, that means that either they're fixing it and nobody knows or they having the kids and, you know, they're ready to have the kids. But sometimes from the environments we come from, it's just, you know, there's no teaching. Like you say, they don't they don't we don't have money to to foster education and information to the children so they know, listen, you can go out and do what you want, but understand that this is what happens. A sex class, uh, you know, um, parent plan, uh, Planned Parenthood, they don't have these type of things. They don't fund these type of things. And, and you know, uh, across the neighborhood, across the railroad tracks, River Oaks, you know, that's that might hold true. And Acres Homes and, you know, Fifth Ward, Southwest, Fondren might not be the same. We we just we're never um uh, we're never playing the same game. We're never taking the same test. We're always a couple of steps behind. And I think that the rules that they make really just benefit them, you know. Um not to sound, you know, of the sort, but you know, as an educated man, I see it all the time. You know, I see more um uh, brown and, and black kids. You know, having kids early, having kids right out of college, uh, high school rather, and being pregnant in, in high school. I, I, I saw an El Salvadorian girl have two kids graduate, right? And might have been cultural. You know, I don't know, but, you know, I, I don't think that the playing field is ever level. Well, you know, one one thing I wanted to mention before we get off of here is, you know, for men, you've got the condom, okay? Mm -hmm. Which some men say is an inconvenience. They say whatever they say. Right. For women, we have the pill, okay? We have Depo Provera. You know, I was on Depo when I was married, and um, Depo takes away your periods, mm. you know, makes you gain weight. And then when you come off of it, my experience, I bled for 30 days straight. Mm. I was anemic, um, had all kinds of side effects um, from birth control. Birth control, being responsible, being accountable, taking mm. control of my body. Um, some women have gotten blood clots and things behind birth control. And I'm not saying they shouldn't use it. I'm just saying that when people minimize, in a sense, the the they act as if, how can I put it? Everything is so simple. You know, things can be a little more complicated depending on your body, your body chemistry, how you react to different things. Um, and there are women who didn't want to deal with hormones. They wanted to get tubal ligations. They wanted to get their tubes tied. Um, and they're in their twenties and 
They're like, I don't want to have kids. I know I don't want to have kids. I've never wanted kids. When many of those women go to a gynecologist or a doctor and they say, I want to have a tubal ligation, a lot of times they will be told, no, you're too young. You need to have your boyfriend come in here and sign saying he agrees. You need to have your husband come and sign. This is a grown woman. Um, come back to us when you're 30. Come back to us when you've had a kid or two or three. So the idea that women have not been given the freedom of choice doesn't just have to do with Roe versus Wade being overturned. This has existed for a long time. Right. Um, fighting for, you know, rights, uh, like I said, to get a tubal ligation when you're a woman and you're considered too young or considered to not have enough kids. Who is a doctor to tell you that you're over 18? You know, if you were signing up to go into the military, you would be old enough. If you were signing up to go buy an AK 47, you'd be old enough. Sure. But you can't take your own body and get the tubes that you were born with snipped because you're too young or because you don't have kids or because some man didn't sign off, you know, Things like that um, are are amplified when you come to this situation and now it's just, in a sense, shoved in women's faces that you are an adult, but we don't consider you able to make this decision, you know? And whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, I think that that is a problem, that we have a group of people who can make any decision for their body and they're allowed to do that men. And then we have a group of people that have to fight to get a tubal ligation, which is not going to kill anything, but their tubes. Okay. And now probably half the States where they can get an abortion are now, you know, uh, out of reach for, them to get one. So it's just, it's just, um, autonomy. You know, why is it that our society feels that, um, women are second-class citizens in a sense and can't make these decisions? Um, it's just, I don't have an answer for that. You know, it's still, it's very disturbing. And that's kind of what that poem was about. Like why, how dare you have these thoughts that we don't have a say, that we shouldn't have a say, that we need to get permission, um, that we need to move or go to another state uh, or even another country. <laughs> you know, it's, it's ridiculous, but that's the world that we live in, you know? And I just wanted to speak on that because, you know, as a woman who's now 51 years old, and I fought my entire life, especially the last eight years, to feel like I had a voice, to feel like I had a say, to feel like I could live the life of my dreams. You know, um, that's part of what this whole book is about. This book is not about abortion. There's no abortions in it. But right. the point is this book is about finding your voice and realizing that even when your voice isn't what society approves of, it's still okay to have one. It's still okay to speak your truth. It's still okay to, um, to just take control and take responsibility for your life, you know? And one day, maybe we will be back where we were before this situation. Um, I hope we don't end up back in some 1950s scenario where we don't, women don't have the right to, you know, well, the minorities don't have the right to vote. We don't have integrated schools anymore. We don't have um, a lot of the freedoms that we have today, you know, and, and 
you know, to me, it's not far fetched that some of these people who feel like we don't have the say or shouldn't have a say in our bodies would want to take away our right to vote. It's not, it's not, nothing is really far fetched to me when this has happened, you know, and that's sad to say, but it just feels like everything that women have accomplished, you know, on the Republican agenda, the Equal Rights Amendment is one of the things they want repealed you know, equal protection under the law. We've come a long way with sexual harassment being um, something that's taken seriously now. And uh, is that going to be repealed? Is that going to be, are we going to go back <laughs> to the fact whenever it was the old boys network and women were just supposed to put up with getting slapped on the ass around the office and getting, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, yeah. you know, I, let me tell you, I was uh, watching a Friends episode, <laughs> a Friends episode. This woman, I don't remember which one of the Friends it is because I didn't watch the show that much, but she was a masseuse and she's massaging this Phoebe. guy and he literally- Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah. He literally <laughs> smacks her on the butt and she walks out of there and she tells all her friends and they're like, are you sure? Like, how are you not sure about that? You know when you get smacked on the butt and when you don't. But the point is- we're just getting to the point in 2022, after the Me Too movement, um, after the Clarence Thomas trials, after all of these things that have happened, where people are actually believing, okay, we have a rape culture. Okay, we need to be more sensitive about our language. And then this happens. It's like whenever women get a game, mm -hmm. it seems like, <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like we get pushed back. Um, and it's it's like it's like when you got a black president, well, here comes Trump. Let's push you back. <laughs> Let's remind you. Let's remind you where you're supposed to be. You know, it's and and that to me is almost like this situation. Yeah, you got your me too, you got your, you know, you were screaming about rape culture. We gave you all of that rah-rah, but now let's see. Now here's here's some medicine for you. So, you know, it, it's just, um, like I said, regardless of whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, there's something wrong with legislating morality. There's something wrong with saying that one group of people doesn't have the right to make their own adult choices, you know, and that's what bothers me. And, uh, that's what I wanted to speak on tonight and, mm. and just to, I also wanted to say, please vote. Mm. Because come November, everyone that we can replace that is not um, feeling like everyone in this society should have equal rights, I think they should be replaced. Um, you know, that's just my opinion. You vote. Your conscience. What do you want to say as we kind of wrap up this episode? The book is a masterpiece. How Dare You was beautiful. Go get the book. Buy the book. Read the book. Congratulations on finishing the audio book as well. Um, you know what I say about the book. Next. What's next is a screenwriter of the, of the book, short films, and then a major film. But... It's uh, it's just a beautiful. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast again. I, I, I you know, I haven't podcasted in a while, and it's just, uh, it's just great to sit and express myself, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. I want to thank everybody who has been watching and who will watch this replay. Um, and I would just say, hey, you know, I love you guys. I hope that you are living your best life, making the best choices, being fulfilled and at peace because this society um, is difficult to live in sometimes um, when you feel like you're assaulted by disrespect and you're minimized and your rights are minimized and your presence and your voice is minimized. And I would uh, encourage you to speak your truth and to um, love on the people in your lives, you know, and may you walk in synergy. Have a great night.
Zenashe, a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery, while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children.